And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Red alert! All hands to battle stations! Engage! Captain Picard is a pain, isn't he? Interesting. No redeeming qualities. I think you should be destroyed. The great Captain Picard of Starfleet falls to Earth. Go back. Thou shalt most certainly die. Protect yourself, Captain, without destroying We are dangerous. Welcome to Star Trek Monthly Monday, the Next Generation Edition. I'm Chris Honeywell, and I'm here with Scott Gardner. Huh? Yeah. And <laughs> things have changed up a little bit <laughs> in Star Trek The Next Generation land. Um, we have both gotten lobotomies since the last episode, so you'll be noticing that a little bit in our demeanor. Um... But we've decided we've we've um, started to throw in some Star Trek: The Next Generation comic books, <gasps> something new. So mm-hmm. so now you'll be getting an episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation, and then a comic book very similar to our the original series um, show. It's it's a uh, sort of sort of mimicking that format now. <laughs> We're mm-hmm. nothing if not mimicking. Mimicking. Day? It's mimicking in the format. <laughs> so. <laughs> so not only that, we have a we have a, a a new little little thing going on, but it's also the big wrap up to the what, second wait. season. What? Where? Hang on, let me zip up. Okay, now we don't. Oh. Okay, we're good. It's also the wrap up of the second season. So uh, we got that yes. going for us. Yes. Um, I don't. Before we get we get going with with the episode, do you have anything um, next generation 
in your in your life to uh, to share with us? The only thing I can think of, and uh, God, I'm totally unprepared to, to talk about this with any sort of intelligence or, or facts so or anything like that. New. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> I know. I mean, I usually try to be fairly, you know, researched and have my shit together before I, I go into these things. But I just you kind of put me on the spot. But uh, I went recently uh, to the theater. I took Scotty, and we went and saw um, um, what do you call it? Good Day to Die Hard. Oh yeah, and there was an ad before the movie for um, the best of both worlds, which is the the Borg two parter um, that was the season ender for season three, and then you know the first the the first half of the episode is the the season ender for season three, and then the second half of the episode was the opener for season four, probably the best episodes ever of next gen well they they've been sort of i don't know remastered remodeled something into an actual feature film that's going to be hitting theaters but see this is where my lack of research comes in i can't remember when it was coming out but it's fairly soon i want to say sometime in like march or april Mm -hmm. but uh i just might have to shell out for that depending on what they're going to charge for it because i would love to see that on the big screen they've been doing that for a little while they've been showing two episodes of they've been doing that a lot more i guess uh they've been showing episodes of the walking new episodes of the walking dead you could go to some theaters oh really watch it yeah it's free but Ah. you can't bring any outside food and drink so you um, gotta get you gotta hit up the concessions there, but you could go in the movie theater and watch the, which would be awesome to watch the new episode of Walking Dead with a whole theater full of uh, pumped up people. That would be quite a riot, actually. See, they they've been doing this with with Next Gen. I think this is the third, mm-hmm. at least of that I'm aware of. I think this is the third go around now for Next Gen episodes hitting the theater. And I think it's a great idea, but my problem is the reason I haven't done it until now is that they're charging a ridiculous amount of money for it. It's like I want to say it was like 12 or 13. dollars I'm like, uh, "What?" Uh, no. I mean, I could go buy the friggin' season DVDs for that, yeah. you know? So I I would I would willingly shell out to see this. That's that, more than I mean, some I movies. Could, yeah, exactly. I mean, I could quote those two episodes to you, you know. Mm-hmm. But I would actually pay money to go see them if it was reasonable, like you know. If it bucks, was you know, five, five seven bucks, bucks or, yeah, yeah, exactly. I I would I would go I would pay to see that because I love those episodes and I would really like to see them on the big screen and they're supposed to be you know, beefing up the effects and all that sort of thing, but they gotta be reasonable about it. I mean, why are you charging more for a TV show episode that, you know, the, the diehards that are going to want to go have seen a billion times. Why would you charge more for that than a regular movie? That doesn't make any sense to me. So I'm hoping that maybe they've learned their lesson this third time around, but we'll see. But again, I mean, if it's reasonably priced, I'll probably shell out to go see it. Because I, I would really, I think that's cool. I would really like to see that. But beyond that, I, I got nothing. Got nothing. I uh, I, I had nothing. a conversation on Facebook today with Fanboy MS Prime. And he actually pointed me in the direction of, maybe you've heard of this show. It's called Fresh Hell. Mm-mm. It's a, it's a, I, I assume it's a based on YouTube, but it's a, a web series by Brent Spiner, starring Brent Spiner. Hi. 
it's by it's a, there's a couple writers involved and brent spiner was one of the guys of who the idea but it's reminds me of that curb your enthusiasm show with larry david where brent spiner's kind of a jerk in it and it does it i i've only watched well he pointed to me, me to an episode in the second season where he's bumming money off Le, lavar burton that was really funny so i'm like oh all right you know these are like they're each episode is like six minutes and two minutes of it are you know beginning and end credits so they're just little short things and and the premise is you don't know what happened something horrible happened with brett spiner some horrible scandal that is worse than like oj and has ruined <laughs> his epi- reputation and everybody just loathes him just hates hates his guts he can't work anywhere you know he's just at the bottom of the barrel and he's trying to you know act again and it's like it's comedy and it's pretty good and i guess hmm. um i guess frankie's shows up in it and uh it's funny he he tricks lavar burton into talking to him to go hit him up for money by leaving a note on his car that's like, Lavar, you know, meet me in the park, signed Frakies. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, as they're as they're in the park, you know, he's hitting up Lavar Burton for money, and Lavar's just telling him, you know, I can't believe you've gotten so pathetic. But every time somebody, another jogger runs by, Lavar Burton has him hold a newspaper up over his head so he won't be seen talking to him in public. And the people stop and they'll be like, I loved you in Reading Rainbow or I, you know, you were great in Roots. <laughs> and and then a bunch of Star Trek fans are like, can you tell us about the flux, blah, blah, blah. And then he goes, well, maybe you'd want to hear it from Data and pulls down the newspaper. And they're all like, Rah! and start swearing at him and cling on <laughs> and backing up and like, you know, cursing him. And it's it was really good. And uh, it definitely. uh it's worth checking out. It's definitely not going to eat up a lot of your time. You know, what's the name of it again? Fresh hell. Hmm. And I'll uh, check that out. That does sound fun. <clears throat> it's funny. It's uh Brent, Brent Spiner is very good. He's good at playing. He's playing an obnoxious version of himself. It's very much like curb your enthusiasm where he's, you know, just play, playing a version of himself. That's universally hated. He, at one point he's watching a news report and they're talking about, you know, how to how to how you can always come back in Hollywood. And, you know, they're like, well, what about OJ? And they're like, well, even OJ could come back, you know, if he if he played his cards right. And they're like, mm-hmm. yeah, but what about Brett Spiner? What if you really Spiner it? And they're like, ah, well, and then he like turns off the TV and he's just like oh. <laughs> face palming. But it may be one of those things where you never know what it is. You know, it's just, it might just be a right. running gag of, you know, let your, you know, your imagination is always going to be so much worse than whatever the true story of it is. But uh, it's definitely worth looking at. It's, it's got at least two seasons, however many episodes a season is. If we could find somewhere to to squeeze it in at some point, and this this would be a ways down the road, but something right. that's just kind of keep in the back of our mind is uh, 
remember we covered the that two-part episode of uh, of Enterprise mm-hmm. with the Tholians and all that. There was a, a I can't remember if it was two parts or if it was multi-part. It seems to me it may have been a multi-part episode. I forget, but he was on Enterprise as well. Uh, Brett Spiner was and played a very different role from what we'd ever seen him mm-hmm. do before in Star Trek. He was he was basically he was an ancestor of Data's creator. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say he was like the probably like the grandfather or something of the guy that eventually creates Data. Anyway, um, he's basically he's playing like a like a unethical scientist that was kind of picking up the pieces of Earth's eugenics program. So it had strong ties to Khan uh-huh. and, and, you know, Botany Bay and, mm. and that whole, you know, the eugenics wars. A damn good story. I mean, it was really well, it's solid funny that stuff. his ancestor would go another direction and, and follow that through by instead of, you know, doing the eugenics through humans, he was creating a idealized yep. human as a robot. Yeah, and they they pick you know they don't miss that beat. I'm either. sure That's they don't. <laughs> picked up uh, you know in the episode. I think you would really enjoy that because again, it's one of those episodes. I don't think you have to be terribly versed on Enterprise to enjoy it because you're already versed on Khan and the eugenics right. wars. And you know, as much as we were ever given of that with you know Space Seed and Wrath of Khan, so I think you could enjoy it from that aspect. Is not not so much as an enterprise episode, but as kind of a continuation of Khan saga, I will have to take a look at that at some point. Cause I think you would dig it. And I think that Brent Spiner really shines in those episodes because I've long said that while I really enjoy data as a character, I've often seen Brent Spiner as damn creepy. You know, he's he's got a real edge to him to where, well, you know, when it when works he... out in this t- in this little web series for that, you know, he, he's mm-hmm. a little creepy in this. Yeah. Yeah. I've always thought that about him, that he he sometimes he just has a certain well. look or a certain mannerism that that can kind of scare the shit out of you. You know, he just has that edge and he plays it really masterfully in uh, in those episodes so like i say we'll have to we'll have to mm-hmm. see if we can squeeze out some time to to take a look at that at some point cuz right after we did uh uh what the hell is the name of those episodes in a mirror darkly after we did those i got itching for enterprise again so i went back i didn't start at the beginning of the series i started with the beginning of season 3 and rewatched all of season three and most of four. And I'm still kind of slowly working my way through the rest of it. I forgot just how great that really is. So I'm, I'm anxious to kind of share it with you now, because I think that if you could get into it, I think you'd really enjoy it. Cause I still maintain that season three of enterprise is some of the best Trek we ever got. And I, I'm really sincere about that. I think there's really only one episode misstep in that, in that whole season. I'll probably stuff. I I I'm, I might end up starting to watch Deep Space 9 and and um and uh the other one before Voyager, Voyager now because I don't know if I want to wait 3 years till we run out of right <laughs> right so or you know 3 years or more it might be a little longer now that we're doing the comics too so I'm going to venture a guess that I think you'll enjoy 
DS9 start to finish. I really think that you'll enjoy it a lot more than I did. And uh, and I think you'll see... I think you'll see what they're... Yeah, they I, I really don't know what to expect. Enjoy the, the merits of that. I don't know what to expect um, because there's a lot of people, that, you know... Uh, yeah, a lot. The, most of the people whose opinions I respect on that are it's are you could split it down the middle of who likes it, right. and who hates it. So I don't know right. what I'm gonna think. Yeah, Voyager, if you can tough it out, gets see, better. I'm trying to remember if it's if it's three se- I want to say it's three seasons before, basically seven shows up at a season ending episode. It was a, a, a two parter called Scorpion parts one and two. And she shows up in Scorpion part one, which I believe was a season ending episode for, I believe season three, I could be wrong, but anyway, that's where I would say to start that series. But unfortunately you kind of got to watch right. at least some of the beginning of it to know what the hell is going on. But the first yeah, two or three I can't. I, there's no way I'm gonna ever start to get through. There's never any way, no matter how bad it is, I'm gonna start a series. <laughs> you know, right? Halfway through a season or or something, or, or two seasons in, or something. I just can't do it. I have to see it all, even if it's gonna be a terrible <laughs> slog. As long as I know that I just have to get through the slog, then I'll get through it. You know. See, the thing with Enterprise is that although the first two seasons aren't very good. And then it really, you know, it's firing on all cylinders by three, you know, the third season, the first two are unwatchable. I mean, they're good. It's just, it was kind of like, I don't, it, I don't feel like this is very good or very original. No, you know? it seemed like that by that time that I remember like tuning into like five minutes of them going, eh, they're sort of running into a Star Trek formula now. Right, so yeah, I, exactly. I was just not interested. Exactly. Whereas Voyager, I, I just I don't think you could really say it any other way. Those first couple of seasons are just bad. I mean, there's a couple of decent episodes in there, but the I mean the bulk of those first couple of seasons you could just jettison because they're just there's very little redeeming quality. It was just not a good show. But you know, eventually they realized that and, and they kind of struck on a new formula and, you know, by the end of it, I consider myself a fan. It's just, man, you know, you'd really have to, you'd have to like put a gun to my head to get me to rewatch those first couple of seasons again. Cause they're just painful, but that day may come. (laughs) Oh yeah. Well, (laughs) Um, I will be handing over the reins to Scott Gardner, who will be has lovingly prepared. um, Well, actually, lovingly procured a book with a prepared (laughs) synopsis. You know, I was going to I was going to be a wise ass and just give like a brief, you know, brief little smart alecky. But I got to reading the one that's in the book. And it actually does it for me. So I'm going to go ahead and use the one that's in the book. Well, it's the, it's so the, this... yeah, this is a good one. This is the porno, the, the hardcore, um, sadomasochistic porno one, 50 Shades of Grey. <laughs> next time on Star Trek The Next Generation, Commander Riker is invaded by an alien parasite. My whole leg just went dead. Their growth rate is doubled. 
It's attacking his brain and nothing can stop it. Respiration is erratic, pulse grossly irregular, blood pressure almost nil. Can anything save him from a tragic death? Hang on, Will. Hang on. Find out next time on Star Trek The Next Generation. This is from the uh, the Nitpicker's Guide for Next Generation Trekkers. That's where I'm drawing this uh, synopsis for Shades of Grey. It's attacking his brain and nothing can stop it. And uh, it says here, While Riker performs a preliminary geological survey on an unexplored planet, a plant jabs him in the leg. The plant has uh, infected him with microbes, we soon learn, and if not checked, the microbes will eventually reach Riker's brain brain, and kill him. When the microbes reach her, uh, her patient's spinal cord, Pulaski uh, brings in a machine to stimulate Riker's brain, brain. <laughs> directly and keep him alive. The machine inserts long rods into Riker's head. <laughs> That sounds perverted. As Pulaski diddles with the machine. What is this guy Oh, thinking? dear lordy. <laughs> Riker begins to re-experience his, his adventures aboard the Enterprise. These memories apparently affect the microbes' metabolism. Pulaski realizes that bad memories and stressful emotions retard the microbes' growth. She uh, deduces that the microbes must be sensitive to endorphins, chemicals produced by the brain. Brain. She refocuses the machine to give Riker more bad memories. After a series of flashbacks uh. from previous episodes, the microbes get fed up and die. <laughs> <laughs> if it was only so easy. Oh, man. Brain. You know. Well, you know, I, I, well, I, 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 we joke. But, and, you know, I just, I hate clip shows. Yep. But Me too. they took this one, they put it under another framework, and, you know, it actually, it, it brought more depth and uh, than you, you would imagine to the, this material, to this framework story, and it brought this whole context of, no, actually, I'm just kidding. It kind of sucked ass <laughs> is what it did, as all clip shows do. There is a potential for a really good episode here because the the stuff that's not clips was was pretty, you know, it was pretty decent. You know, I, I thought stilted. the acting was good. It's a little stilted. And what what ultimately really pains me with this episode is that you know, not only is it a clip show, not only, as you say, are the, the, the acting's a bit stilted and all that, not only is it readily apparent that they must have blown the budget on another episode like Q Who or something, and they just had to, you know, they were at the end of the season, so they just had to save some money. You know, but, I mean, they, I felt like they were really on a roll. Like, they'd really you know, kind of learn some lessons from season one. They, they're working their way towards three, which is, in my opinion, one of the best seasons they ever had. It was really feeling like it was going somewhere. And then they do this, a friggin' clip show. And then, you know, spoiler, this is Pulaski's last episode, and she goes out as kind of a chump, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, she, for one thing, I think this this episode makes her look like an idiot. 
Because how many friggin' times does Deanna Troy have to ask her, well, can't you tighten the beam? Can't you refine the... Oh, and she goes, oh, oh yeah, I, well, I guess I could. And it's like, Jesus, you know, do it already. If you're getting, it, she, if you're getting medical advice from Deanna Troy, you know, she's shown herself <laughs> to be competent. You know, I mean, Deanna Troy is useless, you know. Right, right. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's... But, you know, Riker... You know, uh, Jonathan Frakes, he's he's not bad in this one. I mean, I like him anyway. No, you get I mean, to see how he would face death, you know. And yeah. That little moment where he says that to Deanna, that, you know, th- this is probably the most crucial thing, you know, I, I have to do is, is you know, stoically face death and, and show the crew how it's done. That That's a, that's a fairly powerful little moment. Yeah, I really like that. But. Yeah, the rest of it is just kind of shit. And then it really struck me. At first, I thought it was going to be the Fifty Shades of Grey because we're back on the planet of porno. And like right. all of a sudden, it's like Riker is Willie Nelson or he's Julio Iglesias. He's all to all the girls I've humped before. And <laughs> you're seeing all the greatest hits. and And yeah. And then they go, oh, this is... And then they pull a crush, Wesley Crusher on him, and they go, oh, we can't have him thinking these thoughts. As a matter of fact, doesn't Deanna Troy all but say that he's just laying there with a big old space Woody? Yeah. You know, she goes, much. look, you know, obviously he's having very stimulating dreams. Ha, 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 ha. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh, 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 dear God. You know, n- number 1.5 is is making an appearance. <laughs> Well, you know, not to mention the fact that it's no secret at all that he's got till the end of the episode to live. And Deanna Troy is the only person that comes to see him. I mean, where the hell is Jordy? Where are his friends? You know, you don't, Jordy doesn't come. You don't see Worf come down and, you know, it's been an honor serving with you. You know, if you want me to batleth your neck off, you know, so you die quickly, (laughs) I can do that for you. None of that shit, you know? (laughs) it's <laughs> at the end of the episode Picard comes back in and is basically like oh, oh good I'm glad you lived you know it's like it's a cheap it's an on the cheapo you know I mean it was is, Worf yeah, even time. in it at all um hmm I don't I don't remember you know they might have saved money on makeup a lot of makeup money with not having him on yeah no kidding you know that's a good question I, I honestly don't remember because you know no, he Wesley. and Jordy planet um yeah is wesley in this I yeah i don't think he, don't is. Think he is yeah well, um what's her name guinan's not in it so yeah yeah they were definitely saving some money i guess but i mean bottle shows are bad enough or ship shows whatever the hell they call them are bad enough but a clip show seriously no yeah i mean the only clip show i would I ever expect give so star much trek. more from star trek right yeah I mean, the only clip show I would ever give them, you know, no, you know, no grief over at all would be like, say, uh, the menagerie. You know, I mean, that was not. Yeah, but it was not really. That was like using footage that they nobody'd seen. Exactly. So it wasn't, you know, it was a little lazy, but at least it was providing people, you know, it wasn't recycled, you know. And the framework around it was pretty intense. It wasn't, you know, 
wasn't well, you know, half-assed. If this had been an episode in like the sixth season, I might be a little more forgiving of it. But I mean, this is at the end of the second season, and you're going to tell me that as this guy who's what? What, what age would you guess Riker is in this? Like 35, 35 38, something 36, like that? yeah, something around there. So you're going to tell me that this guy who's nearly 40 years old, as he lays facing death, the, the only memories he've, he's got is from the last two years. <laughs> right, from, from the beginning of the series. <laughs> exactly. You know, he doesn't think about his dad. He doesn't think about oh, high school. First, time, first time he copped a feel and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, sitting in the back of his spaceship. Chevrolet, you know, out on, on Lover's Leap, with, you know, yeah, with, with, with for with the first Cammy time, two tits and, and a <laughs> case of space beer, <laughs> listening to Space Bruce Springsteen on the Space exactly. AM radio at the Space Drive In. <laughs> Come on, really? <laughs> yeah, it's just if it wasn't for the clip thing. This wouldn't be that bad, you know? No, no, no. I mean, I I noticed in in the framing story that they didn't have a lot of music on it, so they didn't like. Right. They were really go that that was what made it stilted. I think was yeah. not having it was a little awkward, but I mean the set they had with the jungle that had water running through it. They were standing in the middle of a moving stream. But st- it was just, yeah, it's uh, it was kind of a punk way to go out with the season, and yeah. But you know, there was trouble. Was it now? Doesn't season three start with basically oh, a new set of writers? You know, I think so. Just sort yeah. of, I, just I sort of everything actually, sort of yeah. cleared out. So this might have been just yeah. sort of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, this might have been just the last episode before get your shit and put it in a box and get out. You know. I mean, it's just it's a good thing by this point that I'm assuming anyway, that they must have known that they had a hit on their hands by this point. Otherwise, I don't think you could get away with this lazy of an episode as your season finale. Well, maybe they thought, you know, if we're going to maybe there were moves in the works to redo everything. So they didn't want to set up anything, you know. They wanted to just to leave it on a on so that the new people well, not even... were stuck with a big cliffhanger or a new wrinkle right. or something like that. You know, I mean, this would have been the perfect season to have them just like hanging out, like hanging out outside a starbase somewhere. You know, not too far removed from Earth. You know, somewhere where they're real comfortable. Like, yeah, yeah, we're getting ready for shore leave, and then all of a sudden a Borg ship shows up. This would have been the perfect thing to do because they've already introduced yeah. the Borgs as badasses, you know, and that and that would leave it on a high gear. But instead, they leave it with nothing. It's just, it's literally just, you know. I mean, I can understand them maybe not wanting to set up a two-parter, you know, not not leave it on a cliffhanger. I get that. You, usually, but... when shows would have a clip show, that usually was meaning that they were almost done. You know, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It meant, you know, it meant that uh, you know a couple episodes prior to this that you know Fonzie had jumped the shark. Right. So you know, you're you're running out of steam. Time exactly. To recall that... your greatest memories and stuff. Yeah. yeah. 
And that's what it feels like, too. It feels like that kind of an episode, like, well, this series is pretty much played out by this point. That's dangerous. You know, that's really dangerous when you do have a hit and you intend to, you know, to keep it going, you know, for as long as you can. And then you just do a lazy, half-assed, you know, series, you know, like a shit series finale type of episode they're lucky. They're, they're, they're really lucky that they were able to weather that. You know what I mean? Well, the thing about it is, as a, as a syndicated show, I think maybe they caught a lot of lucky breaks because they didn't all, as we've said before, they didn't all air in the order that they were supposed to. That's true too. Stuff. So this could have shown up in the middle of a season, you know, on, you know, different Fox stations across the country. So right. it's it's hard to say. It, it's a shame, though. It, it should have been a better episode. It starts as a pretty good episode. It just, unfortunately, just doesn't really play out that way. The, th- the thing about it is I probably wouldn't have bad feelings about it if it wasn't a clip show. Because cl- it's just like it just sets It's just like, you know. Oh, <laughs> that's right. There's no story here. We're, we're right. not going to get any story. All the story is just framework. And they tried. They tried to do it as, but it's still all it turned out to be was Riker's the human DVR set on right. random, you know. <laughs> yep. It's like, oh, let's take a look through the the, you know, the soft core porn section of of his brain. Let's go look at the times I've gotten the shit kicked out of me brain, part of the brain. Which was fun. It was fun seeing, you know, the parasite guy beating him up again and stuff like that. But whatever. <laughs> if they would have kept it all the times that he was getting some, that was fun because it was all he's got pretty good taste in the ladies, and we got mm-hmm. to, we got to see the one good part of that whole show with the the um up the down ladder or up your butt <laughs> with a ladder episode. <laughs> Up the long ladder. Was that what it was? Up the long ladder? Up, Whatever. Up the long, yeah. yeah. Up your shaft, yeah. I don't need to have that show's name in my memory banks. Taking up <laughs> space. Breathing my air. I still want to re-edit that episode into having uh, Lassie McHotpants there asking. <laughs> instead of asking Riker, I want her to be asking Picard, do you not like girls? And have him go, no, I do not. <laughs> just have a long shot of you know him just standing there staring <laughs> uh... <laughs> it's the same sound effect when Cato would attack uh, Clouseau in sound effect <laughs> in slow motion <laughs> oh god I gotta watch those again we need to do a whole special on the mm-hmm. on the Pink Panther movies mm-hmm. at some point. Well, that's all I got on this. I'm actually surprised we got that much conversation because, believe it or not, I didn't take a single note on Woo-hoo. that episode, which is really saying something. I actually—that's all I had. But yeah, not not too much. <laughs> to it. Well, I say we take a little break and we'll come back, and then you get to hear my wonderful synopsis skills. On our first first uh, Star Trek Next Generation comic on Star Trek Monthly Monday. Woo! Be right back. Mm-hmm. 
It's Megacon from March 15th through the 17th, 2013 at the Orange County Convention Center in Orlando, Florida. Megacon is the Southeast's largest comic book, science fiction, fantasy, anime, gaming, toys, multimedia event. The showroom has over 110,000 square feet of exhibitor space. Meet your favorite comic book artists, get autographs from your favorite celebrities, enter a costume contest, visit continuous anime viewing rooms, view the indie film festival, and so much more. You don't want to miss it. One-day tickets are $24.49 in advance, $30 at the door. Or go for all three days for just $58.04 in advance or $60 at the door. I, Scott Gardner, will be there Saturday, March 16th from open to close, wandering the floor in my Two True Freaks t-shirt. Again, that's Megacon, March 15th through the 17th, 2013 at the Orange County Convention Center, Hall D, that's 9800 International Drive, Orlando, Florida. Be there. Welcome back to Star Trek Monthly Monday, Next Generation Edition, number 49. Is that yes, right? Sir. 49? Okay, 49. And I'm going to hand it off to Chris for his... Yes, this is DC Star Trek, The Next Generation Number one. Now, before you say that, this is actually volume, volume two, two, number one, because we did. I just want to point this out for anybody you know that that may not be aware. We actually skipped. There was a mini series right when Next Gen premiered. It was a hmm. six, I think, six issue mini series. We skipped it, and um, I don't feel terribly bad about that because, granted, I only ever read it one time, but to my memory, it sucked. And it was one of those things that was written. Like right when the series debuted and it was brand spanking new, and even the writers of the show hadn't fleshed out the characters yet, so they didn't so, know what to do with it. Yeah, the comics really reflected that. So I'm, you know, I, I'm happy to just start where we're starting. We're just going to pretend those other issues just don't pertain because they don't pertain. That's it. I forgot to look. I got a. But do you know who did that? Can you read who did the cover on this one? Um, hmm. Is it Pablo Marcos? I can't. I read can't it. read that. The only no. thing I neglected to. Uh, you lazy bastard. That's right. No, I, I honestly I have no idea who did the cover on this. It's not a bad cover, no. though. No. The, the likenesses are actually pretty good. You've got a. Uh, you got the Enterprise traveling at warp speed in the background. You know, it's the Enterprise D. Then you've got uh, headshots of pretty much the, the whole main crew. You got Picard, Riker, Worf, Data, Geordi, uh, Troy, Wesley Crusher, looking like he's a lot younger. Um, you've got um, Dr. Pulaski. And then somebody's beaming down in this other shot. It looks like Riker, Worf, and I don't know, Data, I guess. It's it's pretty cool. It's you know, it's serviceable for a first issue cover i just blew it up like four times and i still can't read <laughs> oh see i thought i was i thought you were uh, i was trying to cover for you i thought you were gonna look it up i'll tell you what you get uh you get cranking on your synopsis i'll look it up on mike's amazing world amazing all right so uh dc star trek number one a dollar fifty cover price october 89 
Sweet Jesus, who's going to pay that? I know. Imagine that. That's uh, God. I remember when you're 15 cents. Um, we've got Michael <laughs> Jan Friedman as the writer, Pablo Marcos the art, Bob Panana. Is it Panana or Panaha? I couldn't, I can uh, tell. I think it looks like Panana. Panaha? Panaha. It's a letter. Ju- um, Juliana Farader is a colorist. Robert Greenberger, editor. And this one's called Return to Ramon. And Ramon is a planet, not a Hispanic guy. <laughs> so, Return to Ramon or Jean-Luc Picard to catch a predator. Uh, Picard is invited to the pre-death ceremony of the Primarch or leader of Raymon, a planet known apparently for its very dramatic people, <laughs> drama queeny people. And he'd been to the Primarch's father's death ceremony years before, and they have the ceremony before they actually die where they read their will. And Riker sort of frets for uh, Picard's safety because he's heard that these people are kind of... Uh, um, a bit flighty in their emotions so Picard says why don't you come along and uh, we'll leave Data in charge which kind of as a side note annoys Troy because she cannot mind rape him while she sits next to him on the bridge that really pisses her off <laughs> um, meanwhile Jordy and his engineering buddy McRob <laughs> which <laughs> just cracks me up because it's so close to McRib. <laughs> so from now on, McRob will be McRib to me. So McRib. <laughs> so <laughs> meanwhile, Jordy and his engineering buddy McRib watch Worf uh, whoop a giant lizard hologram. McRib tries his hand at it and ends up with basically a broken arm and uh, an inferiority complex. So on rem- Space Jimmy Olsen? Yes. That's what he looks like. <laughs> so always some... Super redheaded Irishman getting, <laughs> getting beat up and feeling sorry for themselves in these Star Trek comics. I, do, I don't know what it is. Uh, oh, if he had been singing I'll Take You Home Again, Kathleen, while this lizard thing whooped his ass, I would love this. <laughs> it would have been par for the course, too, of these, of these comics. So on Ramon... We learn uh, that Picard may not be so fondly remembered by the populace when uh, he and number one run into Lord Tardal, which is another just <laughs> horrible name. Tardal. Who, who, I took a Tardal <laughs> earlier today. I felt so much better afterwards, too. Uh, who who tells him that uh, basically tells him that you got a lot of guts showing your face around here after that stunt he pulled, and uh, <laughs> so then after uh, uh, Picard has described in a very creepy creepy manner his love and respect for the Primarch's daughter, who he had met decades earlier. Oh yeah, when she was five years old. Dun, dun, dun. He talks about how beautiful and smart she was, and I think he even uses the L word. And it's not uh, the L word as in lesbians, kids. The L word used to mean <laughs> love before it meant lesbian or liquor. Anyway, um, 
so this 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 five year old that he's been rhapsodizing about shows up, but she's all hot and grown up now, and she tells Picard about the crush she's always had on him. <laughs> uh, later, uh, Picard goes back to his room and he's met by a, a goon of the Primark, who takes him on a sort of uh, skull and daggery by night mission where he's got to climb down a rope and ride a horsey to the Primark's. Uh, Summer Villa uh, to meet with him because he wants to meet with him in the dead of night all secret like so uh, Picard goes there and of course he finds the Primark but he's murdered murder and who's there but Lord Tardy gloating over the body and uh, before Picard can even act guards show up and arrest both of them for murder <laughs> End of part one. What did you think of this one? Pretty retard all. <laughs> it's not bad. It wasn't bad, actually. I just wanted to say that. Uh, <laughs> oh, you knew one of us was going to. <laughs> um, it's reminding me very much of the, the, the original series DCs that we were reading in their early days. Yep. Only with better art. Uh, I like the I like the art a lot better. Um, there's elements of it. The the shots of space. There's um, Al Simon Al not, um, Al Williamson y mm-hmm. aspects to it. Uh, Picard's sometimes like his body. They'll draw his body all muscle guy body, but he'll have like the face of a really like almost um like my favorite martian or something you know <laughs> uh, you know too old you right know, my, my, my favorite martian martian during mr when he was playing mr hand and fast times at ridgemont high sometimes he has the right. face of a really old man did uh, you know he was on next gen well i would believe it he's been on almost everything in the world yeah He's a great I, act, great character yes, actor. Yes, yeah, he was. He was really good in this in Next Gen too. I cannot remember what season that's going to be when we get to it, but uh, I, I'm looking forward to that because he played a really good part. But yeah, Mc, McRib reminds me of some of the. You know, as soon as as soon as we got to that that weird throwaway scene where he's watching Worf and like he's he's got that feel of the. DC writer created character who's kind of a mm-hmm. space jerk, you know? Right. So this guy's like, he's an engineer on the Enterprise. So he's gotten there because he's really smart and he's on the Enterprise. That's like, you know, that's being, it's like being the pilot for Air Force One or whatever, you know, it's being on the, the you know, it's a lot of prestige. And all he can do is is sit there and be like, "Why can't I be strong like Worf? Because you're not a Klingon, you dope. You're a you're an engineer egghead. You know. Did, have oh you figured God. that out by now? It just hit me. I, I totally didn't realize this until now. But later in the series, there's a, a character. Do you remember um, the crazy guy on the A Team? Yes. What was his name? Murdoch. Um, Mad Dog. Murdoch. Yeah, he comes on to Next Gen and he plays a, a character uh, named um, Barkley. 
Yes. And it's a very similar story to this where he, he lacks confidence and everybody kind of picks on him and eventually it becomes a story of, you know, well, you know, we're Starfleet and we're better than that and we shouldn't pick on our own. And why don't we why don't we help him not to be such a, you know, such an outcast and that sort of thing? I can see this being, you know, yeah. have similar you, have to Have you that. read these comics before? I've never read them before, no. so I don't... No, I never... Yeah, no. I thought there was going to be more... I was like, what more is going to be made of this? Because basically afterwards, he's like, well, A, he's an engineer. He should know how the holodeck works. And, right. You know, he's like, well, I'm going to fight the same giant lizard creature that Worf was just fighting, and it's only a hologram. Let's see how I... And he breaks his arm. The thing picks him up and smashes him against the ground. But that was about, you know, it's only one comic. So I'm wondering if we're going to get a whole McRib running theme, you know, working, working in this in this show. If he's going to be, I hope he doesn't end up being the, the new bear claw, basically. <laughs> it could happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, it could happen. Um, I I I don't know. I'm I'm looking at this one on a CBR, so the colors might be a little iffy. But uh, man, Doctor Pulaski has got some blonde blonde yeah. hair in this. It's, no, it's, your it's your CBR is fine. Yeah, the coloring is it's a little bright. It's a little Charltony in this. Yeah. One. That's what, like, like I said, I don't like. This was when they switched over into the semi Baxter paper, yeah. You know, for every thing, so the colors look too flat. You know, back, back in the days, those colors would soak into that newsprinty paper, and they would pick up a little. the The news, the actual paper was was more off white than it was white. And so the right. colors would get a little muted from it. And I liked the way that looked. Maybe it was just because I was really used to it. So right. when you got this look where it looks, you know, the colors, before the colors almost had a watercolory look. And this one, right. they're solid. You know, they're almost like a f- cell on a animation. They are a paint, you know, they're, or a painting or something. They're, the colors are solid over the white of the paper. Right. And it, yeah, it does stuff like that. Because maybe she might not have looked so... She looks like Marilyn Monroe blonde, you know? Right. And Dr. Pulaski is not that blonde. Not even close. No. no. The uh, the art's not bad. No. It's it's not really to my liking, but the really the only legitimate beef I think I have with the art is for one, the, the necks on people are often, they're a little elongated. There's a couple of times here where uh Riker in particular has like elongated man neck or something, you know, he's, he's almost like his head stretching, you know, like one of the, yes. the elastic characters or something. Yes. But the artist um, does have a good, he has a good eye for especially Riker's body language. There's a couple yeah. where he's got the body language just right. I, I think he's great on the established characters. The problem is that everybody else in the issue, you know, if, if they're not drawn from a character from the show, then it almost looks like live action 
interacting with a cartoon. Yes. And that bugs me a little bit. I, I think that's that to me is always one of the things I look for in a licensed property like this is can they blend the likenesses we know with the comic book art form and not make it come off yeah. looking like well, you know well, that that mashup. It's it's kinda there's 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 a nice aspect of it where if you're doing the you you you're doing the comic where you can do some characters and aliens that it would be kind of expensive to mock up or do as a right. special effect in the TV show. But on the other hand, you also sort of want the general look of these aliens to right. mirror the look the, the and there was a, a whole, you know, sort of costume design look in the next generation, just like there was in the original series for aliens and alien races and their costumes. And this, yeah, like the, the, um, these guys look like a, uh, cat race from like a Captain Marvel comic or something like that. You know, right. they, look, they, yeah. they look like they're out of a comic book interacting with the Star Trek characters. Exactly. Which exactly, I guess I just rephrased exactly what you said, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> and Oh my God, I'm just on, I'm, is is the page numbered? Is it, is it? Looks like it's uh, thirteen. I see what you mean about Riker's neck. Yeah. Dear God. That panel right there. It's sort you're of like he looks like Beavis, page, right? Yeah, it's at the he, bottom. No, of the right page. there. He reminds me of there's a there's a Monty Python. Yeah. <laughs> one of the one of the uh, Terry Gilliam animations with with two William Shakespeare's side by side going. To be or not to be, one, and their necks keep stretching and out. That's what he yeah, and he like. looks like where the neck just at some point the neck comes loose and just like plops out. Right. And he looks like he's just on the edge of to where it's gonna like yeah extend too much and drop out of his head. But Picard gets it too. Yeah. There's a great one on on page fifteen. The uh, on the bottom part of the page, first panel right there, he actually looks like Ebenezer Scrooge <laughs> and he's got a really long neck. I really, I only had really a couple specific notes on this. I didn't think it was bad. No. I mean, it's it's a kind of generic story, but it, it wasn't bad. It was really good at introducing all of the characters, and I thought it did a really good job of capturing the essence of the characters as we know them at this point, mm -hmm. you know, because this. This issue is coming out pretty much concurrently with the episode that we just covered. So that's we got a nice, you know, mashup there or you know, matchup right there. So they're basically at the same point in both. Well, they've um, they've got the rhythms of how everybody talks to each other and then right. and then the rhythms of how you'll have a scene with a story happening and then you'll cut back to the enterprise and have everybody having a cup of coffee and talking about Oh, well, yeah, that's right. Picard didn't like you, Wesley, but he sure liked this five-year-old girl, you know. <laughs> but uh, as far as specific notes, I, I really, I only had two of them, really. Um, one of them is on page 15. Just a little bit of a, I, I don't even know if it's necessarily a continuity thing. I kind of thought that it was. At the top of the page, the... Uh, I don't know what this woman's name is. The the Primarch's daughter, the the one that's now the grown up little girl that Picard was so enamored with. 
she says to him, she says, oh, well, you know, I see that you're a captain now. You know, very good. You know, excellent and everything. And then just a couple of panels later, she pulls out her necklace that she's keeping around her neck. And she has a little basically she has a little pendant that's the stargazer on it, which is what she knows him from. Now, he was, he captain. was the captain of the Stargazer. So how does that work exactly? Are, are they implying that he served on that ship and eventually became might, the captain? He might not have been the captain. When... Imp- yeah. yeah. I, I don't I don't know how that works. Um, uh, uh, don't you find favorite... that whole five-year-old thing really creepy? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, a, little, it's a little weird. Plus... Now I realize it's an alien culture and all that sort of thing, but she's like really hot from the neck down from the, from the neck up. That's a man. And it's not, it's Freddie Mercury. She's very androgynous. It's like Freddie Mercury mixed with a kitty cat. Yeah. (laughs) Butterface. Um, I think is the, my favorite part of the entire issue though, was page 17. Because, like I said, I thought this jo- this book did a really good job of capturing the feel of all the characters as it kind of introduced them in. So that if if you were getting into this from this comic, then really all you needed was the comic. You didn't really have to be familiar with Next Gen to, to get into it because this was giving you everything you needed. I thought that the best summing up of any of the characters was Deanna Troy. Because she sits on the bridge next to Data, basically comments about how she reads minds, but she can't read him. And, uh, you know, basically she's got nothing to do. And I was like, that's Deanna Troy (laughs) in a nutshell. Completely friggin' useless. Again, you know, just as useless in this as she is in the show. And I thought that was excellent. You know, that the the writer, whether intentionally or not, did not miss that character (laughs) beat. That she just has nothing to do and she offers nothing. She doesn't bring anything to the table. I just thought it was great. But uh, I'm curious to see where it goes. Um, like I say, the, the art wasn't bad. I, I do think it maybe it's a little dark and maybe that hurts the art a little bit because it is very thickly inked. You know, it's like thick lines and, and that sort of thing. And I think that coupled with the kind of muddy colors and, uh, and the darker tone, it just, I don't know. It it has an overall look that is not my preferred aesthetic, Uh you know, for comics, but hopefully it'll, I I have no idea how long this team remains on the book. I get the feeling they're there for a while, but I don't think this was the team during the era of this book that I am familiar with. Cause way late in the series, I came in and sampled it for just a little while because they did a couple of stories that related to, you know, the Borg and some different things that I was curious about, you know, right around the time I actually became a next gen, you know, a fan of next gen. I want to say it was around like issue like 50 or, or even higher than that. So it's, it's way late in the series, but by that time it was a completely different. Um, I know it was a different art team. I don't know if it was a different writer, so I'm not sure how long these guys last as the regular art team, but I'm curious to see where it goes from here. And the cover artist was, uh, 
I never know if you pronounce these this name Jeremy or Jerome. It's J E R O M E. Is that Jeremy or is that Jerome? Jerome. Or could it be Jerome? Okay, so it's Jerome K. Moore is the uh, is the cover artist. I think he does the covers for a while on this book, if I'm not mistaken. But that's about all I got on it. I, I thought it was all right. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I'm uh, I, I I like it already better than the a lot of the DCs the original series ones. So. It's yeah. off to a good start. Cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to covering this because, I, like I said, I've had it for quite a while. I think I got just about a complete run of this book now, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, I've really only read just the tiniest little bit of it right there at the end. I, so. I read this Very one off of CBR, but I've got like the next year's worth of them in actual comic uh, cool. form. So I'm look. I'm I'm. I like I like it so much better when I can hold the actual comic in my hand while we do yeah. this. So it's true. So I'm looking for. I'm not that. mistaken. I think we have uh, I think we have Michael Bailey to to thank for most of that because he gave me a whole bunch of them and I wound up with a whole bunch of doubles that I I just passed on mm-hmm. to you. So I I think the the ma- vast majority I think we have him to thank for. Oh, that. Oh, good. Well, that's good. So I got some Star Trek from Michael Bailey and Michael Bailey got some Star Wars from me. So. Oh, cool. It's uh, um, yeah. So, next next time it's, man. Next next month, all our monthly Mondays, I think, except for the commentary, are all going to be fifties. Yeah, which that's cool. Whatever it's you know means we're getting close to the five year, but fifty just sounds it just sounds impressive. So. It'll mm-hmm. be and it'll be the beginning of season three of the next generation, which uh, yeah. a lot of people consider the best season, and that's where I start. What got? I was by the time this season started, I was in the heat of college and did not have time to. You know, I, I basically stopped watching TV <laughs> at that for for those few years, so. We're going into a lot of... I've seen a bunch of these in reruns, but right. not a lot of them. Mostly season one and two is what I'm mostly versed with with Next Generation. So we're going into a lot of stuff I haven't seen that I've heard great stuff about. So I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, I think we're both going to really enjoy this. I, I recall season three being very, very good. So I'm excited. should be some good stuff. I will miss Dr. Pulaski. Though. Yeah. Yeah. You can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. Anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com, please be aware that if you use the Amazon.com link located on our website, www.2truefreaks.libson.com, Two True Freaks will receive a referral bonus for any items you purchase. There is absolutely no additional cost to you whatsoever for doing this. 
All proceeds go directly toward keeping new episodes of all your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated podcasts rolling, and it really helps us out. So please, use our Amazon.com link anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libsyn.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Libsyn is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. Dumbass. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of... Two Two True Freaks. Freaks. And this is your Uncle Don saying good night. Good night, little kids. Good night. We're off. Good. Well, that ought to hold the little bastards. At the Demanza Corp Studios, Morgan Freeman arrives tanned and rested from Milan, Italy. Alright, where would those two have gotten off to? Wait, that looks like a leg. It's Arnold. Arnold. It's me, Morgan. Are you alright? Speak to me, Arnold. Morgan. Morgan, where, where am I? What's going on? I, I found you here, lying on the floor. What happened? Did Bill do this to you? Has he been to Dr. Patine? Um, no. Well, I don't know. But I have been to Dr. Patine's. Are you of the body, Morgan? Are you of the will of Demonzo? Oh, crap. Now, just a minute, Arnold. Um, yes, I am of the body. 
I am of the will of Demonzo. Let me help you up so that we can find Bill. Uh, how can I trust you? I don't know if you are of the body. Wait, wait, what are you doing? Get, Get your, your hands, hands away from, from my snout. snout. Don't fight me, Honor. My mind, my, 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 to your mind. My, my, my thoughts, thoughts to your, your thoughts. thoughts. We, we are, are a single mind, a single being. I, I see you, Honor. I, I see, see your, your past. past. I, I see. see. I see. Oh, oh my God! God. You're not really, really on the what, what the hell? hell? No, you have found, found the shame. shame. My, my shame. I am not, not honorable. I am his clone. I am a clone. Click on, click on. Go, 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 big, big. The original Arnold was turned to Bob Bark Franks years ago. I am just a vaccine. It incomplete me. Oh, the pain. The pain. Wow. Y'all one messed up pig, Arnold. But how do you feel now? Are you of the body? Or do I need to get rough with you? <laughs> the body. Oh, the body. I I remember. I Palpatine. He did things. Put creatures in our body. Oh, Molestabot. No. No, it's all coming back to me now. Oh, no, no. Bill went to see Palpatine. We must save him. We must save him, Morgan. You're right, Arnold. I can't shirk my responsibilities any longer. It's time. We must save Bill. Stop Palpatine and eventually confront the evil that is Demonzo. Let's go, pig. Yes, yeah, some stuff happened. Tune in next month when more stuff happens. <laughs>